a Lifetime Original Podcast. Here's the thing, here's the thing, here's the thing. If I was a singer, artist, anything in the public eye, I would give everyone one, maybe two, and then go home and sit on my money, invest. I would not be a forever. Give one, maybe two what? Albums? Albums, songs, bop. Amira, that is not. No, no, no. Honestly, I am not a forever performer. I Because then I would switch it up and become an investor and then mentor. Amira, that is not true. And I'm going to tell you why. Why? Because if music and artistry is your passion, right? This is the thing you love. You eat, breathe, sleep it. After two albums, you are not going to be done. I'm going to be done. Welcome to The Table is Ours, the podcast where we talk about all things Black. That's Black culture, Black love, Black joy, and, of course, Black excellence. With me today (laughs) is my favorite co-host, Miss Amira Lawali. And in the spirit of giving and the upcoming holiday that we have, if Amira were a Thanksgiving dish, Mm -hmm. she would be a dish that transcends holidays. It is a barbecue staple Mm -hmm. and also a Thanksgiving staple, depending on where you're from. She would be potato salad. (laughs) That is my favorite dish. Amira, no raisins, no nuts. No. None of that sweet stuff that counterparts like to put into their potato salad. Whose counterparts? No, never, 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 never. (laughs) And you guys know it is. This is my favorite co-host. Kirby Dixon! (laughs) And if Kirby were a Thanksgiving staple, she would be the signature, the necessary, the required macaroni and cheese. Yes. Okay. Lay it on me (laughs) and all the cheeses. You got to put a lot of cheeses in that mac and cheese. Yes. Five cheeses. Oh, I love that. My favorite dish. That's my favorite dish. (laughs) (laughs) Now, y'all, if you follow us on all the socials, at the table is ours on Twitter, Instagram, and Meta. Mm. <laughs> you know that we are starting a few new segments this season. We are welcoming all of you guys to our table so we can answer some of your most pressing questions and give you a little insight into what it is that we do on a day-to-day basis. This segment, y'all, is called Industry Baby. Pew, 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 pew. So last week, we solicited a couple of questions from our audience. So if you don't see your question here this week, we recommend that you, again, follow us on social, DM us, message us, let us know what you want to hear about. So we're here to help you and to help us. Help us help you. Yes. <laughs> but we're going to answer a couple of questions about our expertise in the business. So the first one, oh, I mean, I'm going to pose this one to you. But the first one comes from ST underscore Etienne. And the question is, the process of pitching shows, do you think as a development executive at A&E Networks that the pitching arena is saturated and what makes for a good pitch in your opinion? Okay, it's definitely not saturated. That's not a thing. The limit does not exist. (laughs) Okay. I think what is the most exciting and sometimes the most stressful part of our industry right now is that there's so many places where your ideas can go. Okay, I can't even name all of the streamers. I heard someone yesterday mention Britcom, which is like a British streamer that he watches as well. And I was like, wow, there's so much space. Interesting. So there's no such thing as saturation. Uh, There's so much TV out right now that I can't even keep track. And there's different versions. Like everyone has a different version of what they would do as Insecure or as like Girls Trip or Mm -hmm. Doug. There's so much space for it. So your idea can and will be made. There's so everyone needs content. Everyone's buying thousands and thousands and thousands of hours Mm -hmm. on content. With pitching... The most important thing is if you are doing, well, there's scripted versus unscripted. I'm an unscripted producer. I do on-air unscripted. I do docs and when, like any indie films. So for unscripted in particular, what I look for is POV. Because like, let's be honest, content has been around for decades and decades. The stories are similar, okay? Unless you have like a New York Times breaking story, undercover, da da da. It's very similar. I care about your POV and what you bring to it that's different. I care about the timeliness of a pitch. Why now is like the first question we ask for everything. Why does the story have to tell right now in this moment? What is so urgent about it? I have a question for you as somebody who has thought about pitching as well. Obviously, that's not the part of the industry that I'm in. Mm -hmm. But how much of a pitch do you need to have done 
or of a story do you have to have done on the unscripted side for you to even be like, yes, as a network, this is worth us putting dollars behind to at least develop the concept? Yeah. So this varies. And it depends. If a producer shares an article, that could be a spark where some networks will go into development money with and say what is in this space. Like if you found this like really cool article about bird nesters in Alaska and da 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 and if you send me that article, I'm like, oh, this space is so cool. What do you think is there? Let's develop it together. Let's pair up on it and let's cast and see what's next. I've had development that's completely done. Deck, a sizzle, da da da. Mm-hmm. Cool. Because some people do need to see visually what is happening. I will be honest, once you get past me, not everyone will read the full deck. Right. So if you have a sizzle, it needs to genuinely speak to your idea. So that could be a plus or it could be a danger, depending where you are. Honestly, it depends how much you need is which network developer you're working with. Like some just want to log line, some want you to go further, some want to take you further with them. It's always a plus if you are further along, because then we completely see your vision and then we can see if that makes sense for our network. Right. If not, like then just shoot me an email with a log line. Okay, don't go. Okay, this is a warning. Please don't go in my like DMs. I, I can't do that legally. Like I, I don't read those at all. But if you email me, we can set a call and go over your ideas. Just a little caveat. That's a really good tip that you shared. And also, correct me if I'm wrong, but like especially when you're pitching sizzles, right? Mm-hmm. You can use things that you see, like even popular things, to help me like see the story through, right? Like it doesn't have to be perfectly cleared or like you know that you're if you're cutting footage from another show. We're not going to use that. But if it's something to help show the story that you're trying to tell and you have a good one, it's just like supplementary, like an additive. Yeah. And also comparisons work too. You could be like, it's like Girls Trip meets Silent Night or something. And like, if you compare the two shows, like I, I can see your vision. Right. So the most important thing is your tone and your POV on the subject matter that you're presenting. This I have another question for you. Do you think that with shows like Insecure that are now this archetypes of diverse culture and literally black people existing, people comparing it or trying to find the next thing like that, is that detrimental to the creative space? Or is that just like, is it like shout out to Issa Rae for like at least getting these juices flowing? I don't think it's detrimental at all because Insecure transcends blackness. And what I mean by that is on our side of the network is not always black. So people don't understand like niche things that are black, right? Exactly. So insecure is a good marker for white people to understand what we mean. So it can't, that can't be detrimental because they could be like, oh, I understand where 10 years ago no one did, which is why it wasn't being made. Like I, I think everyone should be creative and like continue to explore. Use what Issa Rae and Insecure has done as like a starting point and do whatever you want. But using that as a point of reflection is good because we haven't moved completely forward on getting our side of the network to be inclusive. So until that's that point, they're not going to understand what people are talking about. Right. I hear you. But also like the key word there is to use it as inspiration. Yeah. Don't copy it. Heard you. Okay. I love this. Thanks so much, Amira, for sharing your insight. That was super, super informative. I always think it's really important that we hear from the people who are in the room that it happens. So ST underscore Etienne, I hope that helped answer your question. 
is the epitome does not of what age crazy i was self-conscious on that call because i was like oh my god <laughs> see i would be but her light was such giving and she was like i feel light and beautiful you feel light and beautiful totally like take this from me i said okay i'll drink that water Maya is a Grammy award-winning singer, songwriter, producer, musician, dancer, choreographer, actress, activist, and philanthropist. At the age of 15, she had her first demo recorded and a solo album at 16. She is an internationally recognized artist who's been in the business for over 20 years and counting. Yes, that's 20 years, people. Booked and busy. We talked with Maya about putting yourself first and being fully present while honoring your true path. She also shares her unexpected jump to being an independent artist and how to stay balanced even through the hustle. Maya, let's get it. Hello, Maya. How are you? I'm good, ladies. How are you? We're so good now. <laughs> Feels great. First of all, you're glowing. Beautiful. Makeup. Thank you. <laughs> so we do like to start the podcast the same every week with the same question. And that is, what is something that brought you joy this week? What is something that brought me joy this week? I was watching videos of Rottweilers and I love Rottweilers, of course, but the fact that they have the same personality trait all the way through, and I've had three in my lifetime that are very stubborn, but <laughs> they remain puppies as big as they get. They are puppies. They sit in your lap. They have the same characteristics. They all have loved water and go through videos and see them. On Instagram, the ones that I don't, you know, own as a, a pet owner, <laughs> have the same common thread. And I sent it to my mom, too. She says, oh, typical Rottweiler treat. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> he or she literally was hiding with his arm in the way in the front passenger seat of his owner. Hiding because he didn't want to get out of the car. Probably went to the vet. And just <laughs> looked at her like, I'm not moving. You, you can say all you want. So I crack up when I see animal videos. But... It makes me literally laugh out loud. Oh, <laughs> because that's how they act. You know, the ones that I've had and the one that I still have. I love that. That sounds just like my Discover page on Instagram. It's like animals. It's black girl hair hacks. And now I'm starting to get some like food inspiration. So nice. <laughs> Maya, we have to ask you, you are literally one of those music staples that we feel like has been booked and busy ever since we can remember. And it's funny because you've been a part of our lives, almost like our entire lives, but it feels like you're still just getting started. Like everything still feels new and feels fresh and feels exciting. So we know a little bit about your background and your upbringing, but we want to ask you, when was that moment that you knew that you wanted to make entertainment, make art, make music your career? Wow. I was 14 when I knew. And I knew that I wanted to be on Broadway and do plays, sing, dance, act, and the musical component as well. But it wasn't until I would say maybe around 15 that I wanted to certainly pursue a recording career. And look, because of my friends that encouraged me to, in all of my arts classes, we would sing and we would, you know, trade bars and challenge each other. But it was the support of my friends that really encouraged me. You know, you should do an album. And I wasn't really paying attention to that. I, my goal was Broadway and theater and all that. So I gave it a shot and I started really recording hardcore at the age of 15 and started taking it very seriously by the time I was 16. And then 17 on the train back and forth to Philly with some pretty amazing producers, which uh, became some of the demos that were pitched to do my first album and ended up on the album. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I'd been singing before that and you know, in choirs and gospel choir and plays and national anthems and showcases. But it was more so theater on my mind, but the recording agreement came first. Which songs from the demo made it on the album? Oh, yeah. Good question. Hey, and I just left Philly last week. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. That's my yeah. hometown. <laughs> so the songs that I recorded in Philly that made the album were If You Were Mine, my favorite song on the album. Ooh. Mm. Uh, Don't Be Afraid, Anytime You Want Me. And I think there was another one. That's a lot. That's amazing. Yeah. yeah. Or songs from Philadelphia are on And Baby It's Yours. I recorded those when I was 16 and 17. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Wow. 
What was it like growing up and being that young in the industry? Like, were you kind of nervous about it? Or we know your dad was in the industry too. It was like just something you were like, I know I want to do this and this is my passion and let's make it work. You know, I'd been working since I was a kid. I'm talking about day in and day out since two and a half years old. There was something that I was always doing in the arts, majorettes, ballet, tap, jazz, gymnastics, violin, piano, <laughs> Busy. A busy body. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there was never a year that I was not working. So it prepared me and I wasn't nervous, actually. I think the one thing that I was not used to were interviews. Mm. And that's something that I had to get used to because they were very invasive and asking a lot of different questions that... I didn't necessarily know how to politically correctly respond to, but you learn as you go. And sometimes that's the best experience and the best teacher to just jump, but you're going to make mistakes. And I think at that time, it was about artists being perfect with media training. And you know, now you can just be yourself and be rough around the edges. Exactly. Yes. And that's receptive and just be the, a hot mess. And that's embraced. But back then, back then, no, you couldn't do any of that. So I think I felt that pressure. But it's something that you work through and, and you master later on in life. And I think growing up as a teen in any profession, there's a lot of pressure that you feel. And then maybe sometimes you just imagine because the world is looking at you and judging you and you're judging yourself, too, because you don't know everything. And that's always intimidating. Oh, my God. Preach. I feel like nowadays we reject the perfect artist and everyone of the young generation is like, oh, they're an industry plant. Oh, they're not natural. Oh, they're not. Mm -hmm. And we just want someone who's like wildly themselves. That's so I haven't thought about that since then. Someone we can relate to. You're a hot mess. I'm a hot mess. We're the same. Like, <laughs> I learned from you. Yeah. I mean, we all are, bro. It's amazing. But yeah. try to conceal all of that is not organic anymore. And you find a lot of that thread happen with some of the artists that have sort of changed and done a 360 in those days to be themselves. You know, they might've started in gowns, but no, this is who I am. I'm a girl from Jersey and you're going to accept this whether you like it or not, because I'm not going to be the person that you want me to be, you know, 24 seven. Because <laughs> Hello. That's toxic in itself. Try to be something that someone else wants you to be because the real version of you is not safe or accepted. Well, to say that, you know, and people appreciate the real too. So I understand both sides. I understand the corporate fear, but I also understand the real person dying to come out, you know? So I'm glad that today's artists can be themselves fully. That's what people really appreciate because it was different 20 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> you mentioned working, work, 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 busy, busy, busy. Kirby and I recently had this conversation about like, what is work-life balance? Whether we aspire to be a workaholic or not. And we're kind of on both sides. <laughs> I realized with age that even though I love vacations and love taking a break, if I am not constantly working and busy, I'm not happy. Like I'm a very <laughs> restless soul. Like I have to be a workaholic. Whereas Kirby mm -hmm. is- I am the complete opposite. <laughs> I love to work, but I also love to be on somebody's beach, detached from my phone and my emails with a drink in hand. That is me. <laughs> I need that to be my best self. Honestly, um, both of you all, you know, <laughs> Mm -hmm. I feel like I can rest on a vacation when my goal has been met on the work side. But that sometimes requires me to be relentless and zoned out for too long where I've lost balance. And when, uh, when should I shut down? When can I shut down? Oh, this is on the table. Um, let me snatch that because I can do this and I can do that with that. That money. Right. <laughs> then I will forget to sit down. But sometimes sitting down, there's productivity in that too, which I have to remind myself just to be able to sit, detoxify, not answer anyone, not have to explain yourself, then come up with new ideas in your meditation or your silence and like hear your own thoughts and write them down, manifestation. So I'm working on that for this December. <laughs> sit down somewhere. I'm be doing Queen of Fools 21 day detox. I've already yes. ordered it oh. so that I can step into the new year as a more new me, but I know I need to do that in December versus procrastinating and trying to start my new year, January 1st and doing it. So yes, yes. Do it beforehand. I also recommend Deepak Chopra's 21 days of abundance if you haven't done that yet. So, okay. Yeah. I, try it. I was forced to sit down for a few months last year and it was great, but I was forced to, and it was only good <laughs> after the second month when I realized I couldn't truly heal unless I just stopped working. And I thought yeah. it was cute and fun, baby. I thought it was cute and fun. 
And then I was like, I'm going to ease my way back into work. And I just came back rolling. And I haven't stopped since. So no, I will take- Maya, Amira would send me text messages like, I want to come back to work. I'm like, girl, do not come back to work yet until you are required to come back to work. Relax. Enjoy it. You can work from home these days. So that's true. We all are. Now we're in a pandemic. Exactly. <laughs> and that's okay. Exactly. So speaking of taking a break and finding that balance, setting boundaries yourself, we know that you kind of set a boundary and now you're an independent artist versus working with this major record label or in this big corporation. In a way, we kind of understand that journey and that we're on the corporate America side, right? We're on the network side, but Amira specifically works with a lot of production companies and independent production companies and sees the struggles and the pros and cons of both sides, which we know you've been pretty vocal about, but wondering what made you want to go independent? Like, was there a moment that you can pinpoint or were you kind of stepping into your power and knowing that, you know what, I want to be the boss and I want to have an involvement in everything that I put out? What sparked you to make that decision? Well, it wasn't a decision based on me setting boundaries or having to be in control or being a control freak. It was a circumstantial situation where an album that I'd worked two years on had gotten accidentally released when a release date changed. Mm. And then two years of work kind of going down the drain, the album getting shelved, me not wanting to be in another lawsuit as I was already in with a management company and it being just very, very draining financially, but also draining emotionally and mentally. But I wanted to move on and be productive in that. So I sat down in, in that sitting down process, which was only about Two months, the artist Prince reached out to me when he heard that I went independent. A flex. A flex. I know. Just casually. Wow. Just Prince. <laughs> no, that, that was a big number. And then also a big word for him, independent, that he preached to the younger generations. And he, he shared gems as to why to always maintain an independent operation in your career when he saw it and he saw something. And many of us that he pulled to the side to show other ways of doing things and ownership and why it is so important, especially if you love music, to preserve your love. Because there are a lot of things in business, in any corporate world, that can put a damper on what you love to do that's also been given by God to you, to affect lives. Yeah, yeah. You can find yourself chasing numbers, chasing charts, and all the man-made things, and also beating yourself up because maybe you don't meet up to those types of man-made standards, but to always hold on to your gift and the love of your gift that can take you all over the world. But my decision was just circumstantial because my lawyer said, hey, you can either sue and be in a lawsuit or you can go independent, whatever that is. I didn't know what independent was at the time. Like, you know, and that's something that I wanted to do. It's something that I just happened to do because it seemed like a better option versus being in court, you know, and a litigation. It, that sounds very exhausting and technical. And oh, I didn't sure. have time for that. I'm trying to be on the road. I want to make songs. I want to be an artist. You know? Right. I want to create art. <laughs> it's just so hot, crazy how life happens. So the album got leaked. And where it got leaked was the territory furthest in the world, where it's already another day, when we're still in yesterday. That was Japan. Japan loved the album. Hey. <laughs> All over Japan, iTunes. And... Yeah. There's a specific record company that reached out to me that's based in Japan named Manhattan two months later. And they said, hey, we want to do an exclusive record deal. You executive produce your project. We love the one that just came out here. Uh, we'll give you an advance and we will support you at radio. But it has to be limited to just this one territory. So I just tried it out. Wow. Everything, at least there, went number one. They have an amazing radio department. We shot a visual for one album did three albums together one became a world album and that is literally a new territory that taught me how to executive produce but also draft contracts do production deals you know publishing split sheets all on my own and that is the first project that I created my independent label on and I think after you learn the way you begin to apply the things that you learn and there's so many different components legally etc that you have to take care of but once you figure it out, it's addictive and you want to do it again and you want to do it again yeah. because you know, every dime is being spent, what's coming in, what's going out, what you want to spend certain things on, what you don't want to invest in. And then the safe zone, which you're not really in control of when you're with a major label. But there was a sense of creative freedom in that journey. Mm -hmm. And I've just stuck with it because of the conversations with Prince. And no, it's not easy. <laughs> it takes a relentless grind and work ethic. 
discipline and you have to definitely humble yourself. Uh, your success will often look like a failure to the rest of the world that's used to seeing you in a certain light. But the gems that you attain skill-wise and knowledge-wise are things that you can apply to managing artists, running your own label, taking care of other women that are coming up in the next generation to pass the torch and also protect them and teach them to be empowered. So, you know, it's something that I really, really love, but I've never been opposed to being with a major again. It's just, I haven't stopped in my independent yeah. yeah. You know, and I've just kind of proceeded and also wanted to fulfill the fans with project after project. But, you know, I've always been open to entertaining partnerships on the major side, but as a label, not as a new artist or an artist walking in begging for a deal or anything. This is what I bring to the table. Now let's see how we can partner up and make it go. The table's ours, fam. Stay tuned because when we come back, Maya shares with us the vows she wrote to recommit to herself. You won't want to miss this. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program. You have someone like Prince who is giving you advice as to how to push through and potentially like explore this and the talent and the gift to be independent, knowing that you had that foundation. Is there someone else who mentors you now as you continue to go through this independent journey? Like who do you call? Who do you rely on to help you get through some of the hiccups that might occur with being an independent artist? Yeah. So two of my mentors have been Prince and Jay Prince on the business side. And then mm -hmm. obviously godmother, Miss Patty LaBelle on mm -hmm. one of the personal things that I've dealt with as a woman and in my relationships. You know, I've been able to lean on her and call her wow. about some really personal the station and things that I were heartbreak wise or having to leave a relationship, a toxic one behind. And so she's definitely seen me through that when I feel like I couldn't talk to my dad about it. <laughs> I feel like Patty LaBelle is our auntie too. <laughs> yeah, sure. so somebody ignores death and then I have to be bailing my dad out of jail somewhere. So yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> choose who you call for what. Exactly. Right. So like, having Patty LaBelle on your side sounds like a good idea. <laughs> you know? <laughs> the uh, shoes are off. The shoes are off. <laughs> so so Jay Prince has been very, very instrumental in my independent journey. I actually met with him before I got out of my contract at Motown, just in case there were some components of funny business, because he doesn't play that. And I was introduced to him by a road manager of mine in the South that felt like I should have that conversation. And so we actually partnered up on my mixtape, Beauty in the Streets, that came out in 2009. So we have a project on Planet Nine, Young Empire, which is his son, Jazz Prince, his label, and then Jay Prince's rap a lot. We're all imprints on that project. Wow. And so, you know, I've asked him questions about distribution and who the best label would be to go to if a label deal is something I should be entertaining. Who's merging right now? How many layoffs are happening over right. here? You know, yeah, right. people to, to talk to. The tea you need to know. Let's try right. to decline it. You know, and I've always just stayed independent after talking to him. <laughs> Prince passed away not too long ago. Mm -hmm. And so it's been God as well. And just the history of having friends and 
collaborations to call as well to find out, you know, who they're working with and how they like where they might be or what their situation is, whether it's distribution or PD, et cetera. So mm-hmm. I'm a hustler. I'm a grinder. Oh, I love to yeah. work too long. <laughs> and there's just so many ways to do it as long as you just contact. We love the theme of mentorship. It's honestly like what this podcast came out of. So as you've been mentored by so many greats in this industry, is there anyone that you see next in music that you've given advice to on ownership or creativity or personal advice? Yeah, I won't, you know, mention the names, but there have definitely been people that actually have reached out to me more so in the health tip. How to go vegan. You know, I want yes. to do, do the detox or can you sign me up or can you send me the starter guide? All right, sis, you're going to have to give me some recipes of my creative meal plan. There have been so many different artists and friends in the, the industry, whether it's corporate side or behind the scenes that have literally reached out to me and asked me for advice or pointing them in the right direction. So that's been beautiful versus just, oh, hey, you want to get on the song, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I feel like I have more of a purpose and people's lives outside of music and entertainment. I love that. Well, you touched on one topic that we knew we wanted to discuss with you, Maya, specifically, and that is love and relationships. And mainly because, (laughs) I'll give you the tea. So Amira and I are at this really, it feels like critical, crucial point in our lives, right? Late 20s, early 30s. Y'all are so woman. That's what it feels like, (laughs) Maya, but you would be surprised. You know, so we're at that age where family and relatives and outside pressures feel like we need to be married, right? We need to be in a relationship. We need to be getting ready to have kids and starting families and things of that nature. You've been so open about, you know, your beauty in your love journey, the struggles of your love journey, and even more importantly, in our opinion, is this journey that you've gone on and been going through to love yourself fully. But we want to know, did you feel any pressures on your end, whether that be from your family or external factors to find the balance or choose between your career and your love life as you were, I guess, our age? (laughs) Or do you feel that now? Do you feel it now? Let me tell you, my mom is my business manager and she has never put any pressure on me to have kids. She's like, look, where's the care? That is a... That's beautiful. She has always been an independent thinker. She's never put that on me. And I've also watched her struggles in her relationship. My dad, he's very open and honest and vocal about it too. And he's been very protective of me and raised me rough around the edges and kick ass for those reasons because he knew the world wasn't safe for women. I relate to that. You know, he also knows himself and how he thinks. And so... I've been very, very in tune because of my parents being independent thinkers and they've never placed anything. I was the one to go get saved and choose that, uh, make that choice, you know, and taking myself to the altar as late as 2007 in my life. You know, that was my own decision. They never put that over my head. They never put place any pressures of marriage or having babies. They just say, look, your happiness matters and whatever that consists of. That's what you should shape your life around. Mm-hmm. You know, as long as you're happy, whatever that looks like for you, that looks like for you. So I do have friends, though, that ask me, and I think it comes from a good place. So I can't always process it as a negative thing because they've experienced beauty in their marriages or their children. And I love kids. I mean, I've worked with kids since I was 14 when I was a kid. <laughs> right. I'm the dance teacher. You know, I think it's very special, but I, I feel that way about animals too. You know, mm-hmm. I'm a mother of animals and I have godchildren. I have nieces. I have nephews that I can give back. I was going to say, you can give them back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's not something that's ever kicked in for me, but I think it's a beautiful thing. And I think marriage is beautiful when it's with the right person. It's about making sure that you're intact mm-hmm. as the right person that you're supposed to be coming full to the table, complete, and not expecting that of another person to complete you. But it also takes work. It also takes time and evolution and giving yourself that chance before rushing into a situation so you fit within somebody's box on their timeline. Hello. And I think we are ever evolving. So you can't wait till the end of your life to say, oh, I've made it to this place of evolution and I'm my best self now at 105 years old. I think I want to get married now. Yeah. (laughs) You know, (laughs) I think it's a leap of faith, but having two spirits that have a spiritual relationship and that can look like whatever it looks like when you all make a decision and have an understanding and have gotten the time to get to really know each other and you're comfortable with every aspect of the human part, the financial part, spiritual, the religious part, 
the diet, every component of a person and be able to share the differences and accept the differences. I think relationships are beautiful and it brings yeah. balance to your life when it's healthy. When it's not healthy, you got a whole ass. <laughs> and get it out of there. Yes. Honest. Sometimes it does make for good music. It, <laughs> we benefited from some of our favorite artists' uh, heartbreak. <laughs> I can argue with you on that. But it takes you working on yourself. That's what I, what I do know. Mm. And there's all different types of love. That's what I have witnessed on my journey. I've attracted so many amazing relationships. And I'm not talking about intimate. I'm talking about business. I'm talking about personal. I'm talking about friendships. I'm talking about meeting new people in different territories that are completely opposite from you. But I'm surrounded by so much amazing love that I probably wouldn't have allowed myself to explore if I were confined in my old relationship because it would have been an argument. Yeah. (laughs) You know, just to be writing a song with someone. So I don't have the answers, but I feel like the spirit knows when it's time and it also takes time to build a foundation with someone. But you also have to build it with yourself so that you can attract it. Mm-hmm. I hear you. Mm-hmm. I will be honest. <laughs> From a very young age, I never wanted to get married. I wanted to work very hard, play for my mom's like house, get my house my own, own property. I was like very focused on work. Remember we chatted about it a few weeks ago and I, it could have been that I was raised by a single mom. I lost my dad really young. Kirby was also like- I'm only child. <laughs> only child. It could have been that focus of where I was like, I just want a great career. And I said it for so long and I got engaged like a month ago. But the excuse you see is- the ring. You see the ring. <laughs> Life brings surprises and you never know. Exactly. It's a complete surprise. And I, I, I kind of say it's a little scam because I said for so long, like I, I would be so happy being a rich auntie and having tons of nieces and nephews who I spoil and give away and have this like badass New York career and just focus on that. And then I don't know who told us recently, but I kind of found someone who just was just like, oh, cool. You just be you. You're great. And I'm here as a great partner to support it. And we'll do our own things. And I was like, as if the career I was like, I feel like I got tripped into a constant <laughs> partnership to where it was like six years later. And I was like, you are my person. So when it came, it came at the right time. I just, I think it's so funny and ironic that I was the only <laughs> one of my friends that I was like, I am never going to have kids. I am never going to get married. I will be a rich auntie. You guys have fun. I just want to be the spinster at your weddings <laughs> and get drunk. So <laughs> Well, you can still do that. I know. I will do that forever. <laughs> it's okay, Amir. You can be the rich auntie to my kids whenever that happens. That's all I want to do. <laughs> that was literally my goal in life. Like, I, I think of all the cartoons I used to look up to, it was always like the evil corporate mom. I was like, yeah, I want to be her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, well, see, life takes you on a different course all the time. And we just never know where it leads us. There's so many surprises around the corner for all of us. <laughs> and I stay open-minded, you know, in the meantime, I just do the work and then hope for the best and then place action in the places that I do visualize myself, either conquering a goal, et cetera. And then I'm just introduced to all this beauty, whether it's environmental or new friendships and you know projects, et cetera. But I think love is a beautiful thing and that there's no greater of feeling you know, to be loved and to be fully loved as yourself. We're going to jump into your Lifetime movie, but I do want to ask you one more quick question because I have to ask you about this. It's been a while, but you went on this incredible journey of self-love that literally put the internet in a frenzy because of this wedding dress photo. The entire public was like, oh my God, who's Maya's man? Who is she married to? And you're like, I am married to myself. I love that. (laughs) What did that journey of self-love look like for you? Like what was kind of the hardest part about it? And what was the most beautiful part about it that you're still carrying with you today? Well, that music video is called The Truth, and the song is called The Truth, and we actually wrote it, myself and Lucky Day, years ago on the Elevation Suite EP, and we wrote it so that it sounded like it was towards someone else, dedicated to, fun to, but it was really a reflection of myself speaking to It's a love letter to you, yeah. Yeah, and I finally decided to shoot a video to it as I was renewing my vows to myself in 20, I believe, 19. Mm-hmm. End of 2019 in December. Fans usually expect me to release something on Valentine's Day, which is an anniversary date for my very first single. So I do. And that's when that song came out. But Valentine's Day is sometimes a commodity <laughs> of happening <laughs> with them. And it makes some people feel really, really bad. And I remember being that girl watching all the balloons and the cards and the flowers fly just 
left in high school wondering what all of this was about and how it feels to have a boyfriend that I wasn't allowed to have and um, <laughs> and to be loved and, and what that means. But on those specific types of holidays, we forget that there are many single women and men that don't know what that's like. And I wanted to send a different type of message that day and that year yeah. coming off of the previous albums, which was all about couples music and keeping love alive, et cetera, through R&B. So that's where that concept came from, but also my self-love journey that you asked me about. And what that looked like was leaving a toxic situation, not returning to it, not entertaining it, not ever speaking to that person until I felt that I've healed and that safe, non-vulnerable time for me to reach out and not fold, but also investing into my health, my mental and grind, changing my diet, exercising, making sure that I protect my energy and then being able to identify those moments of weakness or vulnerability where I might feel like I'm letting an energy in because I need that person, you know, has ill intentions for me to control a situation or to just be a, be more sharp and to forgive myself as well. And so after the years have passed of me constantly being on the grind of investing in my health and my wellness and prayer and meditation, reading the Bible in one whole year, you know, mm -hmm. different types of self-help books and nursing myself back to an even better place than I came from. You see the evolution, but you see the improvement and you see that there's always room to grow. And then there's blow up at some point that you become aware of what this looks like for you when you can literally accept yourself, forgive yourself and do better after you know better. Mm -hmm. you know? So that's what it looks like. And so multiple projects, a Grammy nomination for something I executive produce an entire body of work. That self-love. Yes. And there's sacrifice in that. So being willing to forgive the other. Ooh, that's hard. Forgive yourself for ending up in that situation and letting and that you were able to identify being gentle with yourself, but also taking your time and, and consistency and practicing a new area or territory. I jumped into veganism from that relationship and I've only gotten better. We agree. There's <laughs> <laughs> so many things, but <laughs> that's what right, starts with you. And that's kind of what it looked like for me in a nutshell. And now I can reap the benefits of that and share that with other people too. Can I ask you that? What were your vows to yourself? I mentioned forgiveness, you know, not to beat yourself up, but to identify and to move forward with your best foot with what you have to work with, because we tend to look outside at what everyone else might have and feel unvalid or feel underappreciated or feel like we're not doing as much, but your own journey is your own journey and making sure that you stick to your path and not jump to someone else's path because it looks better because you don't know what they're going through either. So stay on course. Stay on course, but also listen to your spirit. Your body will always tell you when something's wrong. Listen to your God-given intuition. Everyone has it, but we make excuses. Yes, yes. We, we, we listen to that other book. <laughs> so literally writing down prayer and meditation, taking care of my body, knowing when I need to crack the whip on myself and be honest with myself, that's not too good. Go back and do it again. You know, you thought that was hot? It, it wasn't. Be honest with me. That was in my vows, but also to take my time and not be needy and expect another person to be a savior or be a part of my fulfillment. That expectation must fall on me, you know, but also being open to the possibilities of love and not cutting it off or saying, oh, I'm bitter, et cetera. But being open, but also being very, very honest and being disciplined and I'm always creating these challenges and they um, sound absurd, but that's where I began to create the, the trust for myself of starting from ground zero over and over and over again. And also becoming a student and staying a student, remaining a student allows me to eventually become a leader and you have to humble yourself every time. And so those are part of my vows to constantly love myself so that I show up as my best self and attract the best things for me and the best people for me, because mm -hmm. we honestly attract a mirror of ourselves and what's really happening inside. And if we don't check that, correct that, and mold that to be what we want it to be, we find ourselves in certain places and situations that are not aligned. 
Wow, this conversation is such a blessing already. I feel like when this episode <laughs> comes out, you are going to be people's manifestation. Like, I think that this two years, I can't believe it almost, has forced everyone to be reflective. And I know for me personally, listen to my body, stop comparing myself to others because it is indeed a thief of joy mm-hmm. and putting myself first and going into my own journey. So to watch someone like you go through so publicly and personally something like that, like your vows could not be more on time for me right now as we go into another leg of what working from home (laughs) and going through this pandemic looks like. So thank you for sharing that with us. Yeah, I like what you said, putting yourself first, because many women and many Black women themselves last and Mm -hmm. take care of everyone else prior to self. And that's a cultural thing, but it's also, I would say, a habitual thing. That we often need to break out of, and sometimes we don't know how to. But we want to have a cup that runneth over. Yes, you cannot pour into other people if you don't pour into yourself first. So, Black women, put yourself first, second, and third. That's the greatest <laughs> gift to everyone else, too. Exactly. Be able to fill your cup for you as well, so that you can share. Well, we want to get into this beautiful Christmas movie as we're talking about this going into a season of giving. <laughs> And pouring into yourself and other people. Welcome to the Lifetime family. We are so excited to have you. And you are the star of our upcoming Lifetime movie, My Favorite Christmas Melody, in which you play character Abby. We want to know, can you tell us what's the quick synopsis? What's the film about? And what's your character like in it? Well, Abby is a singer, songwriter, composer who finds herself... At the brink of quitting music due to devastation, one of her songs gets stolen during a live oh, performance and it ends up all over the radio without giving the entire story away. Mm. However, during that low period of defeat, I'd say a trip home back to her roots and her grounding sparks interest in the feeling of being alive again. Slowly, it's a slow rise to finding yourself again in your love for music, but being able to tap into that aspect of what makes you spark and makes you glow through an arts program with children that she's appointed to help save because you know how that looks. (laughs) (laughs) Arts constantly get cut from schools as if they are not important and they don't need to exist, but it's a real spiritual situation. So getting to assist those that are more in need, I think deters her from her own personal problems and how she processes her first devastation in the music business <laughs> with kids that are in need and an arts program that once upon a time, as a younger Abby, she relied on. And then through that experience at the school, she actually meets a teacher that she's forced to work with that doesn't quite start on the right foot, but you'll see the turnaround in love that she's more open to the possibility of. So it's a nice arc in the story. Mm-hmm. And Christmas spirit. It's also a musical. So there are treats of new compositions, original compositions by the composer Phil Giffen throughout, along with some of the corny, <laughs> cringy jingles. Of course, the right. You know, we all, we've all faced doing something in our careers or lives that we don't want to do that. Yeah. Hey, it's the survival money over here. Wait, Maya, what is that for you? <laughs> <laughs> Me? I mean, I have fun. You know, yeah. I have fun doing, look, I love what I do. And it's a blessing. And I have to remind myself that now on the corporate side, I've become <laughs> my label. I don't always want to draft the contracts and fill out every sheet and form and be negotiating on the phone or text message with promoters and buyers and bookers. I don't want to do it, but I've done it right. for years. But I've trained people up and given them opportunities as interns that have become employees. And now they're getting commissions and built my own entertainment company in the process and record labels. So those skill sets you share eventually a path the torch too. Mm-hmm. But those are the cringy moments for me. Like, oh my gosh, I really don't want to be six hours deep today in paperwork. <laughs> That's hell for an artist, you know, but it gets the job done. Yeah. Well, I guess, do you have a favorite Christmas melody while we're on the topic? Basically, what's your favorite holiday melody of all time? What do you turn on as soon as that season gets cold? My mother has always played jazz music. 
Manhattan Transfer, John Coltrane. And it's always been like jazz Christmas renditions that we love in the house on vinyl, by the way. So it feels wow. real vintage and real old school Christmas movies. However, it's a little obnoxious because I grew up with brothers. So Home Alone, of course. And A Christmas Story, we tune into stuff like that. Rich, that's still Christmas like on the animation side. That's always fun. That's a good one. But I'm a woman now. You know, I, I might actually <laughs> watch Lifetime this season. Catch yep. my twelve. But Lifetime is actually releasing 35 holiday movies back to back. More than any other network yes. starting from number 12. So I'm going to be that chick that's going to be in front of the television because I've been Responsible this whole pandemic and I haven't <laughs> two books on. I haven't binge watched any shows. So this is my moment to celebrate, to kick back and like really tune in. I probably will have like a sip and watch party. Yes. And have girl prints over. Ooh. And like we'll watch a lot of movies together and we'll make like hot chocolate and do the PJs. <laughs> like real snuggle East Coast vibes. Yes. <laughs> I've yes. never done that before. And now I can sit down because I work all year. Oh, that will be me this year. Time to enjoy. Uh, Time to rest. (laughs) Feels full circle. (laughs) Yes. This is literally your time to rest. I love that. Mm -hmm. Well, this has been such an incredible conversation. We love you. We adore Mm -hmm. you. And we're so proud of the legacy that you have built and continue to build in the music industry and for Black women everywhere. We do like to end our podcast episodes with an iteration of one question. And for you, we have. My black is like whoa because because my black is like whoa because I believe in me I believe in women I believe in life I believe in love and I believe in evolution never stop growing and I if you look at me am a fighter and I've proven to myself over and over and over again that it is in my power to proceed forward and win at the end of the day. And that is faith and strength that is resilience and it's black. Mm. Mm. Yes. That is black. Exclamation point. (laughs) That was it. That was beautiful. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. This has been so much fun. Come back anytime and let us know how those Christmas movies go. We'll be tuning into yours. (laughs) Thank you. The Table is Ours is produced by us, Kirby Dixon and Amira Lawali. This episode was also produced by McKamey Lynn and Aisha Jordan and edited by Melissa Kaplan. Our researcher is Emma Fredericks. Our executive producers are Jesse Katz and Ted Butler. The Table is Ours was created by Lifetime. Subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. See you next week. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.